0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories. This week,
1: Jex Lopez is mostly known amongst queers as a singer-songwriter pianist. A vaudevillian cabaret noir artist, her music and style is intrinsically tied to her identity as a queer Latina mystica with Portuguese Indian heritage. Jex released her debut album, Playing Dead, in 2018. She works part-time as a primary school music teacher and spends a lot of time making visual art for her lino print business, Jex Cuts. Across all of her creative practice, she makes beauty from the shadows and finds theatre and joy where we could easily despair. This is her story. (laughs) Over the course of my adult life, I've had a very up-and-down relationship with my mind. Partly genes, partly intergenerational trauma, partly cultural and historical displacement, and partly feeling othered for being a wog in a white world and queer in a straight world. But I think a big piece of this puzzle is that I was sexually abused as a young child. Don't worry, this is not really a Me Too story. I have no interest in sharing any gory details and you won't be traumatised. You'll either relate to it or you won't. My whole 20s seemed to be clouded in a constant struggle to just be in the world. I had a constant fear of new people, new situations, of what might happen to me. A fear of ridicule for being incompetent or incapable or of being too sensitive to be in the company of other people. I feared walking down the street and I also feared being assaulted or getting into situations that I couldn't get out of. I feared authorities and I feared men. I feared people in general. I feared getting on the bus. I feared failing. I feared speaking on the phone. And I feared spiders. If you wanted to name something else, I probably feared that too. In retrospect, I lived outside of myself looking back at myself with judgement that I was not good enough, that I should be ashamed of myself and that I had done something wrong that I was wrong I was carrying around a fucking huge weight later it would be diagnosed as complex PTSD but at the time I just thought it was my shitful and unfortunate personality (laughs) I thought it was normal to constantly feel like there was something wrong. In my late 20s, when my telephone phobia got so bad that I nearly got fired from my job, I finally got some counseling for anxiety and she suggested that I quit my miserable yet safe research job where I didn't have to talk to anyone. Exposure therapy led me to take a job training people on a telephone counselling hotline uh, for people with schizophrenia. (laughs) You know that saying, you teach what you need. (laughs) Exposure therapy works. Having a job where you're exposed to your fears on a daily basis is effective therapy. After work, I would do little DIY comic performance projects and puppeteering. I was a natural creative these activities kept me in the moment, so I wanted more. So I took a job in a, a strange job in Lismore, far away from the anxiety inducing bustle of Sydney. I was now happy, healthy Harold. <laughs> <laughs> Wish for those of you who don't know it there's not many, is a job as a puppeteer slash educator, and I started touring around the Budgelung area in a caravan with my hand up a giraffe's bum. (laughs) From Schizophrenia Fellowship to Healthy Harold. I was teaching kids to love themselves enough to not smoke or take drugs. This job was epic. Suddenly, after working in an office for most of my frightened life, I was on a sort of never-ending tour of country schools around the far north coast. Instead of dealing with stop-start Sydney traffic, the only ever hindrance on my way to work now were cows crossing the road. (laughs) In the first year before I got a GPS, I used an analogue street directory to find new schools every day and greet teachers and kids who were looking forward to a funny and theatrical lesson on drugs and other public health dangers. My puppet Harold was hilarious and I made curtains and a spotlight for him and turned the caravan into a mini-theatre with music and fake foods and props and never-ending jokes and that made some children laugh so hard they nearly weed their pants. I barely drank alcohol during those six years, not because Harold told me not to, <laughs> but because I realised that alcohol was greatly contributing to my anxiety attacks and my general ill health. For the first couple of years, on the surface, I looked confident and at ease. In reality, it was a performance role, and I'd been performing the role of a well-adjusted person my entire life, so it wasn't that new. But I was like a duck, serene on the surface, and paddling like fuck underneath. But I did the same thing over and over and over and over for six years, and I became an expert in an extremely niche, funny yet exhausting job. Even though I could now talk to strangers without having a near heart attack, I still felt shit about myself. Like many survivors with a pervasive yet elusive feeling that something is wrong, I tried many new things in the hope that an outward change would bring inner peace. So I started studying to be a teacher. The teachers are the only ones that will find that funny. (laughs) That does not bring about inner peace. (laughs) During my teaching studies in a session on child protection, I realised that what I had suffered as a young child was in fact grooming and sexual abuse, and I realised that I was not okay and that I needed specialised help. So while studying to become a teacher and working full-time, I started an intensive sexual trauma recovery program with a specialist service. You see, like many survivors, when you're so used to anxiety, loading yourself up with a ridiculous plate of extra stress doesn't seem like a bad idea. This six-month program, a group program in Wallingbar, called Heartfelt House, involved sharing my stories in pain with five other women and three counsellors. Going to this program, every week, was the most difficult and terrifying thing I have ever done in my whole life. Way more than any performance in front of any amount of people. It was also a lifesaver. The beginning of a new mind, a new set of thoughts, a new way to be in the world, and the realization that I was not crazy. And most importantly, that I was not alone. My late friend, the powerhouse poet Candy Royale, she said, when faced alone, trauma makes us feeble. This is a collective experience where we explore the human condition, both dark and in all its brilliance. At Heartfelt House, we learnt that people who have suffered complex trauma as children display similar symptoms to people who have experienced war, a sort of long-lasting shell shock. Thank you. This course led me to the work of sociologist Brene Brown, who points out that the opposite to shame is actually connection. The taboo and silence around childhood sexual trauma helps to keep survivors, and there are a lot of us, isolated. Isolated from others and isolated from ourselves. So, there I was. Processing my pain with eight others for six months. While at work, I was the happy, healthy giraffe. I was like a children's rock star clown. When I would rock up at schools, kids would lose their shit.
0: <laughs> oh, it's tears, it's horror. It's going to be the best day of my life. It's only the horror. Like,
1: really. While at home, I was crying almost non-stop for six months.
0: No. Circles and see that funny see that funny old clown.
1: After I finished the Heartfelt House program, I started processing my pain through music. I bought myself a piano and recording software and started writing songs. The Lismore community and other musicians embraced my musical project. My purpose for producing and performing music was and still is clear. Connection. No more shame. Connection. This year, I will release my song, Little Red, which you've heard a snippet of tonight, and hopefully start a conversation with others about recovery from sexual trauma. Because I know I am not alone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share your favourite tales on the socials, and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. You can also follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram.